Hey everybody, C-Note here, and welcome to Dopamine, the show that is like the robot invasion. You'll never see it coming. Today on the show, I wanted to talk about thinking and feeling. And I didn't want to say thinking versus feeling, but I really wanted to talk about the relationship between thinking and feeling. Um, it's kind of stemmed from the Myers-Briggs approach of thinking and feeling, but I think people identify as more of a thinker or more of a feeler, typically. And they do see these things as a bit of a dichotomy, or at least there are sort of uh, wavelengths to each type. I don't really think anyone considers themselves to be a high-thinking type and a high-feeling type at the same time. It it seems to be, for the most part, that one tends to favor uh, one or the other. And if you feel any differently, please correct me by any sense of the imagination. But uh, that's essentially what I wanted to talk about today is thinking and feeling the relationship between the two and how you can use one to help you understand the other. So without further ado, let's do it. All right, so welcome to the show. Uh, Today you'll notice the audio quality is a little bit different. I'm going to be doing some recordings on my phone and some on my desktop, so there's going to be a variety in audio quality, but for the most part, it should be fine. If it really bothers you, feel free to call in or hit me up at RevelMyDesign on all of my social channels and let me know. Like, literally hit me with all of them at the same time. Christian, this is terrible. Christian, this is terrible. Send me a Snapchat. Terrible. Instagram. Terrible. (laughs) And just let me know. Um, (laughs) Today I wanted to talk about thinking and feeling. And the distinction there is to make sure that I'm not talking about thinking versus feeling. Because really I wanted to do, what I want to do here is try to help bridge the gap between the two. We, in terms of Myers-Briggs, tend to talk about introverted feeling or extroverted feeling versus introverted feeling and extroverted feeling. And while it's true that they are living on separate planes, I think it is important to make sure that the relationship between the two is harmonious and helpful, meaning that if you're primarily a feeling type, there are aspects of using logic and thinking or informational thinking to your advantage, as well as if you are a thinking type of person, that you can use emotions and sometimes the irrationality or the the perception of irrationality or subjectivity that is involved in introverted feeling or extroverted feeling or maintaining harmony versus identity uh, is, is is healthy and that you're using your thinking to allow feelings in and maintain this healthy relationship. In terms of Myers-Briggs, there's, there are four cognitive functions that each person has And while we lead with a certain dominant one, in my case, introverted thinking is is my dominant driver, there are other aspects of our personality that involves emotions. For me, it's the bottom of my cognitive stack, so emotions are not natural to me when it comes to other people's emotions. I feel fairly um, aware that I have emotions, though I can't always translate them easily. I typically need to talk to someone to figure them out, which is why really this show started. So 
dopamine is kind of the result of me trying to figure out my emotions through thinking. And thinking is kind of the style that I portray on this podcast. I kind of just talk. (laughs) You know, there's not a lot of... uh, It's not very well thought out and planned out. It's more so a regurgitation of all of these thoughts that I've deduced over a certain period of time. So the difference between introverted thinking and extroverted thinking is introverted thinking is a little bit more subjective. And it's it's my logic. It's what I've learned from the world and how I've applied it to my identity and my independence and my sense of being. Whereas introverted feeling is, is the same thing. And introverted feeling is the same, but for emotions. It's a subjective way of feeling. It's how does this situation make me feel? And the important part of both of those things is realizing that they're subjective. It is about our experience. It is about how we feel about something. It's about how we feel given the intu- given the information that we are presented with in the current situation. Basically, everything that we have access to. So we, as a people, tend to have a habit of generalizing and which is a generalized statement, <laughs> but but based on what I've noticed, people tend to generalize. And because of that generalization, we tend to feel like we've explored enough. You know, we make a judgment based on very little information, and therefore we think we understand everyone. We have one or two or three or four, maybe even five instances of something, or a little bit more, and feel like we know all of the answers to a given situation and that simply from a uh, informational standpoint cannot be true. So that applies to both thinking and feeling. If you have a made a judgment about something from a thinking perspective, created a sense of logic, uh, understood a certain way of thinking, and applied it to your identity, it's important to understand that that is still shakeable and changeable, and you have to kind of you have to allow yourself to be open to that world being changed. Because as you go out into the world and you start to explore new things, which is a unique thing that introverted feelers and introverted uh, thinkers need to experience in their lives, we need to put ourselves out there in a way that allows us to gather more information, but be willing to change and grow. Sometimes that involves accessing emotional states or exposing ourselves to emotional states. So, you know, I'm more of a thinking type. I'm definitely more of a a logical, subjective thinker, and I feel like I'm pretty good at it. And even though I stumble, (laughs) I feel like my methods of rationalizing and deduction are really good. But at the same time, when it comes to emotions, I think it's easy for rationalizing type of people, logicians, logical people, to assume that emotions are useless, or that they make you weak, or that they are not helpful, or that they cloud your judgment. Because introverted thinking is a very objective view of the world. You're trying to objectify your rationalizations as much as possible, because if you're thinking emotionally, that's seen as a clouded judgment. But sometimes you need to allow yourself access to both your own emotions and other people's emotions to gather new information 
and learn as learn to what what to do with it. Because while emotions may seem irrational to us, it is a very real aspect of how the world works. It's a very real aspect of other people, because other people experience heavy emotions. I think uh, uh, introverted thinkers or objective thinkers or logicians, we are really good at being able to push our emotions aside while we work through the information. And then we kind of deal with our emotions later. But not everyone's built that way. And it's very hard for us to get to that point of realizing that other people don't think that way. That we feel like our way of thinking is the way that other people should be. And people who feel and are very confident with their emotions feel that that's the way that they should be. But there is really no way that anyone should be. Uh, that's one of the purposes of this podcast. But but the bridging the gap between thinking and feeling is allowing yourself to be open to the idea that feelings are good for you. That working through your emotions is another way of gathering information. That it is that both sides involve subjective modes of thinking. That rationality and philosophical thinking is not a set in stone thing. These are things that change and grow with us. As, this, as does emotions in our life as we experience a variety of different things that we come across in our life and makes us feel certain things. We not only deal with... I think, I think thinkers understand a little bit more emotionally from the big picture scale, like some of the obvious things in life make sense emotionally in terms of you know, you go through a divorce, or you lose a job, or you have like a very big thing happen to you. And our rudimentary understanding of emotions is that yes, they're going to be sad, or they're going to be disappointed, uh, and stuff like that. But feelers are going to have a much richer nuance of information for their emotions. And it's interesting, because a lot of these conversations that I've had with feelers makes me realize that there is a lot more going on. But they may not always be able to translate it into nuanced, nuanced ways, but there are definitely more difficult emotions in terms of feeling embarrassed or shame, and those are very different things, but very subtly different things. And, you know, thinkers just have to work through the logical connections. How does this connect to one mode of thinking versus the other, or one mode of feeling versus the other? This is not something that comes very natural to us, so we have to think a little bit more about it. And there's nothing wrong with using your thinking as a means to connect with someone emotionally. And there's no, there's no, nothing wrong with using your emotions to try to work through something logically, or at least to start to. And, and same for both sides. So if someone is heavily in a feeling sort of mode, you know, at, towards the end of the emotional state, once you're working through the emotions, you know, you can start to kind of look at the logical aspects of everything that you're upset about, you're sad about, you're disappointed about, you're shamed about, and start to formulate sort of a, an emotional cognitive plan as to how to deal with it. Because some, some of the things after you're done feeling it, you may feel like you may start to think about it and realize, you know what, there's nothing I can do about this. I've worked through the, all the emotions that I need to work through. Here's kind of an action plan. Here are some things that I can consider. And, you know, here are a couple of things that I can test out. Maybe I can ask someone a question that involved my emotional state, or maybe using some of my thinking to ask questions and be curious will help me uncover other emotions that I can also work through instead of cycling through the current emotions. And the same thing with thinkers. If we can 
access other people's emotions or our own emotions through asking questions, through genuine curiosity, or using lines of logic to sort of connect the dots between someone's emotional state and how we think about that emotional state, or how you know, helping them translate that emotional state for us, then we can be a little bit more empathetic because thinkers, or at least in my experience as a thinker, you know, we just don't have the best natural empathy. And I know there's a lot of people who feel like they walk into a room and they can feel everyone's emotions. I've never experienced that. I have no idea what that feels like or that looks like. I feel very um, disconnected from humanity sometimes because of that lack of emotionally connecting to people. I see people crying on TV for very subtle things, and I'm like, why? (laughs) That doesn't make any sense. Uh, But that's always surface-level stuff. If there's a way to drill deeper, there's a way to understand the nuance of why someone's um, being emotive in a a given situation, uh, you can connect those dots. Especially if you're watching something on TV, like a cooking show, which we've been watching Kitchen Nightmares lately. And, you know, there's a lot of name-calling, there's a lot of crying, there's a lot of um, joy, there's a lot of varying emotions going on. But for me, I, I, feel ver- I see very surface-level stuff. But as I start to learn more about personalities, and I start to learn more about the personalities on the show, or a little bit about their history, uh, about what they've gone through, and how that connects to their current emotional state, I can more better, more better, I can more better, <laughs> I, can, I can be a little better at connecting their history and the knowledge there to the current emotional reaction. You know, they're not just having an emotional reaction because this is the first time they're experiencing this. An emotional reaction is often the culmination of a lot of emotions leading up to this point. And, you know, for me, it's taken me a long time to really kind of understand that. Not only understand that, but but be comfortable with using my mode of thinking to get to that conclusion. Because I think when thinkers start to try to feel, we just feel inept. We feel like we're just not capable and we feel broken. We feel like we're not enough of a person and we're not able to connect that way. And it makes us feel lame and we feel like unintelligent. And that's very demeaning to us. I I think feelers can sometimes feel very frustrated that they can't access a mode of logical thinking or that they can't suppress their emotions the way that logical thinkers do uh, for a little bit. And thinkers shouldn't suppress their emotions too much. Obviously, it's good for us to use our mode of thinking as a means to work through our emotions, but to completely suppress them and never access them is unhealthy and leads to mental health issues typically. But for feelers, you know, sometimes it is possible for feelers to take their emotions, and use the fact that they need to feel something as an excuse to not think about it. So thinkers can use their thinking as an excuse to not feel, and feelers can use feeling as an excuse to not think. And that's really where the bridge needs to be closed, or connected, rather. Uh, Feelers just need to realize that um, I say just reductively, but I don't mean it that way. It's not It's not an easy transition. I feel like feelers could take the time after they've worked through some emotions or after they've maybe written down some of what they're feeling or talking to someone or working through it on their own to take the time to look at the information that they've gathered from their feeling 
and allowing that to dictate where they can go next and looking at how it matches up with the world, how it matches up with what's going on around them, matches up with where they want to go in life and learn what to do next or speak with a thinker who is emotionally patient and can help you create a sense of forward motion. And the same for, for, for thinkers. I think if we have trouble accessing our emotions, we may need someone that we can speak to who is emotionally adept that can help us identify and tackle the nuances of what it is that we're feeling and what we're going through. And the, all of this is inspired by a lot of personality hacker podcasts that I've been listening to lately. But for the most part, it is inspired by the fact that I am with a feeler. So I am an INTP. She is an ENFP. And we talk about this connection point between thinking and feeling all of the time. Now, I lead with my thinking process and her, her feeling process is her secondary process. So for me, my weakness in my thinking is a little bit smaller, whereas uh, a weakness with the secondary process could be a little bit broader. And there's nothing wrong with her, but sometimes, you know, it kind of made me think about it, that if you go down this route of feeling whilst, whilst, annoying, uh, whilst ignoring um, you know, some of the tangible aspects of what you can do with it or, or where to go next, it can be a very dangerous thing. And the same thing with thinking. If I go too heavily into my thinking, I can be... You know, I can ignore her emotional state. I can ignore my own emotional state. I can focus too much on work. I can focus too much on information. I can focus too much on thinking and not take time to access and and extrovert my emotions or to, um, you know, to be there for her when she needs me to help her work through her emotional state or even just be there for her. So, you know, being with her has helped me learn how to help with emotions and to just be there while she works through it. And then when she's kind of coming out of it to kind of talk to her about some of the more specific details that maybe she's coalesced as she's worked through those feelings. So, I mean, all of this is in service of connecting the dots between thinking and feeling because while I do believe very strongly that people tend to lean towards one or the other. Uh, there is an aspect of it that we can all access. If you're more of a feeler, you still have access to more of a subjective or objective type of thinking, depending on what's in your cognitive stack or people that you have access to and how you can talk to them about it. And same thing for thinking types. If you're a thinker type, you have access to emotions. You're not you're not a sociopath unless you're a diagnosed sociopath. Uh, you just might have a hard time accessing emotions and you need to, you likely need to think uh, a little bit more about how to use your dominant function to, to connect that way. So if you literally need to make a cheat sheet about how to connect to someone's emotions, there's nothing wrong with that. It's going to sound incredibly impersonal to a feeler, but if you have this conversation with them first, and let them know that this is a part of who you are. And again, not necessarily making it an excuse, but if there is time that has been taken and you've been able to see that this is a 
through line in your life or have some sort of proof that you're struggling with this, then as long as you are able to explain to them that this is a mode of you trying to connect with them, I don't think there's a problem. And if there is a problem, then maybe you need to think about this person in your life. But And the same for emotion, emotional people. Uh, it, it's important to take time to realize that to, to have a little bit more patience for thinking types, that this is not their mode of being, that that being emotionally driven is not in their wheelhouse. It's just not who they are. And people are fundamentally different. And I think we all need to be more accepting of the idea that people are different, that there is no one way of being. There is no needs. There is no shoulds. Uh, there is especially no shoulds. That what we have to do <laughs> as people uh, after I said there is no shoulds what I think we can do is to work as best as we can to improve our subjective thinking and subjective feeling to embrace the fact that they are subjective and that it's all interchangeable and we have to keep ourselves open to new information and that new information from another person especially people that we care out, care about is not a threat to our lives. It's not a threat to our well-being, but it's something we may need to adapt to, and that's just going to take time and work and patience. So I think it's a good a place as any to end, uh, but for the most part, I wanted to talk about this because it's it's something that has been pretty important to me lately, and this topic of subjectivity is probably something I'm going to expand upon as we go, because I feel like a lot of the world is moving into this territory, and a lot of people are not good at it. But there I go generalizing. <laughs> so uh, it's a tricky thing to talk about. Uh, but I'm generalizing based on what I know. And what I know is what I know. But you need to learn what you know. Right? Right. So I'm going to eat my food because my head hurts. Drink some water. Enjoy my the rest of my afternoon. But I hope you guys are well. If you have any questions about thinking and feeling, if you're more of a thinker type or a feeler type, let me know in the comments. And uh, let me know if that's had any effect on your life in a positive or negative way. And if you have any tips or tricks about how to uh, reach out to the other type of person and uh, if you've had any success with that. So if you're listening to the show, please leave a review on iTunes, Stitcher. I think we're now on Podbean and tune in and a whole bunch of other things so this is pretty rad and it's good that we're going five days a week again it's going to be a real good time so i hope you guys take care of yourselves and each other love you guys oh and we still have the podcast course up so cnote.thinkific.com if you're trying to start a podcast uh i have information in a course about how you can connect with people via your podcast for personal development reasons or for marketing reasons, promotional purposes, how you basically start a podcast from conception to execution, asking about your why, your mission, your goals, your getting sponsors and getting guests and doing your marketing and scheduling and planning and dealing with insecurities and there's just so many things there. So go check it out, cnote.thinkific.com. And that's everything. I'll see you guys later. Peace out, homies.
Hey, you beautiful human. Thanks for listening to Dopamine. I really appreciate it. If you thought this was a dope show, then you should wait until next week. But also, while you wait, you should go to iTunes and Stitcher and leave a positive review. Positive reviews help me to uh, fill up my dopamine tank. Otherwise, you can send your friends to dopamine.life to listen to the show or hi, my name is Christian.com to get the latest updates. I'll catch you later. Baby, I'm a fiend, I'm a fiend. Oh, you know you got me going off your dopamine. All I really need, all I need is for you to put me on to the recipe. It's on my team, you got me going off your dopamine. Yeah, it's on my team, you got me going off your dopamine.